It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and you are listening to the sweetest sounds, the sultry tones, the boisterous boys, the Joint Practices Podcast. Get it, fellas. Yo, welcome to episode 46 of the Joint Practices Podcast. Podcast for fans. Hi, fans. Fans like us. That's me, your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter at 11thegoat. And I am joined tonight by my co host, my brother from the same mother, Mr. Stephen Lamont at Stephen JPP. Threw me off when you called me Mr. tonight. I thought you were going to say Steve after my introduction. Uh, I thought for sure he was going to give me the wrong intro. <laughs> I was ready for it. <laughs> and that lovely man voice you heard was Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox on the Twitter bird at the Knox says. Oh, baby. Ooh. We're still undefeated. Both of us. All of us. All, all both of us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have the first JPP death match of the season. Fighting! Out of the purple corner, <laughs> super sticky Steve Knox's Minnesota Vikings will travel to the red corner. Why did he, he get to be purple corner? and I had to be red? <laughs> yeah. Because I fucked up, all right? Or green? They're green Bay. Green makes more sense than red. Diarrhea green corner. <laughs> there it is. Sean's tired. Uh, yes, he is. This week we got the inter-JPP game Vikings at the Packers. We are going to get to that preview in just a minute. I just got a little bit of sad Eagles news. Eagles defensive tackle Malik Jackson has a Lis Frank injury, which is going to put him out for the whole year. <sighs> Rough. He's expected to miss the rest of the season. They put him on IR today. They did sign former Dolphin defensive tackle Noah Spence to replace him on the roster. And they waived tight end Alex Ellis probably back to the practice squad. But the big story is Malik Jackson missing from the middle is really going to hurt the pass rush. Really kills a little bit of the depth. So we're going to rely heavy on Hassan Ridgeway and Timmy Jernigan and his grill. So I just wanted to sneak that little bit of Eagles info in there before we get started because that's probably going to impact the preview we are about to do. But first, let's get this JPP war underway. Vikings going to Lambeau. What's good? Should be a real interesting game. Uh, I think there are question marks for Green Bay as uh, to whether or not you know, their offense was not great against a good defense or, you know, how that all plays out. Uh, same thing for the Vikings, though, is you kind of shined in some areas and can you carry that over to, you know, a game where you're playing essentially like a completely different team. You played a team that had no defense to a team that appears to have a good defense. Quick so, over-under. Uh, over-under pass attempts for the Vikings. Ten? <laughs> Better be over. <laughs> Take the under. Yeah, but then again, if it uh, starts off the way week one did, then there's no reason for it. Yeah. But I think for uh, the Vikings personally, I think pass protection is a huge issue. Um, if you looked at the way that uh, Green Bay was able to put some pressure on Mitch Trubisky last week... Uh, you know, keeping Kirk Cousins upright is a very important thing. You know, Green Bay added, what, Adrian Amos. They drafted Rashawn Gary, brought in, like, Zadaria Smith, who was a monster in week one. So, you know, those types of guys and making them disappear from the stat sheet is a huge deal. And you're also, you know, if you can start the Dalvin Cook train going again, it starts to make that pass game a little bit better, but I think the times that Kirk Cousins is going to be dropping back, 
like that pass protection is just huge for them because you know if if you got Kirk Cousins running around out there all game long then this one ain't gonna last very long boys yeah I just I just had a few things on my notes and first of all for the offense you got to give Aaron Rodgers time I know Chicago is a different monster but he still had he still had to rush and he still had to uh he he wasn't going through his progressions and then this other thing I noticed it's like every play Rodgers is waiting until there's a half second on the play clock to snap the ball and I was listening to a podcast and he brought up a great point if you do that on every play you're telling the de- the defense when to jump because there's obviously no other time you can snap the ball after that moment in time um so those are just those are things I want to see cleaned up. But as far as the defense, just keep that defensive momentum. We only have up 46 rush yards, but this is a different like rush. This is a different running team. Like Dalvin Cook was amazing. And then when he wasn't in, Alexander Madden, Madison, 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 yeah. he was in and he was averaging like 5.4. He had like 50 yards or something crazy. Like, like the running game looks strong. Um, and their D had two interceptions, but they also gave up 304 yards and two touchdowns. Like, I guess what I'm saying. In garbage time. Kirk Cousins has never, in my eyes, been Mr. Reliable. Like, last week, he had two fumbles. Like, the running game is what's going to keep this game close. And um, I think Zimmer has the ability to just wear down our defense and then... Everyone's going to be gassed and take advantage with Diggs and Thielen over the top. But before we wrap up this part, you know what I want to say? Steve, you know who Anthony Barr is now? He has, in my eyes, he's taken over the role of Jared Allen. Where Every time we go to play you guys, I'm like, fucking A, he's playing again. Jared Allen just used to be a nightmare all the time. Yeah, and... Um, to rival off like what you were saying with the offense, I had the same kind of a uh, take for the de- especially the defensive line um, for the Vikings because we saw Rodgers get get sacked five times against the Bears. So for the Vikings defensive line to go and get that kind of pressure is also like paramount for them having success on defense. And not only that, but def- as far as the defensive line is concerned, and you said it when you know don't let the play clock run all the way down, is don't give Aaron Rodgers those free plays. We know he's one of the best at the hard count. And you can't, you know, you got to be on your toes, on your game. Don't jump off sides. Don't allow him to have those free plays because guess what? He knows, like, when he's going to do that hard count. And there's a guy that's running a streak down the field. And he's going to see the ball every single time you jump off sides there. So you can't give him, you know, easy yards, easy touchdowns and stuff like that. Yeah, especially because what you're saying is when Rodgers runs those plays and he knows he got the guy to jump, like they throw the flag, he's just going to heave it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you're in so much danger in the NFL these days as a defensive back for, you know, the ball's in the air like that. You could not only give up a touchdown, but you could possibly penalty. get the penalty, you know? So instead of the five yard, they're going to deny, you know, decline the five yard and take the 45, 50 yard pass interference. So yeah, he real Rogers is really good at getting you by the balls in those situations. Yeah, exactly. So you can't allow that to happen. Um, I mean, these games are always so close. So, you know, just one of those plays, you know, completely changes how this game could play out. Um, like you said, Anthony Barr, um, I loved what they were doing with him, continuing to use him in uh, in different stunt moves to open up uh, lanes for other guys on that defensive line, which I feel like a lot of those guys are aging. They, I know they looked good against Atlanta, but, you know, again, you have one of the best left tackles in the game that you have to go up against and one of the best quarterbacks who, you know, is going to want to see them blitzing. As as all great quarterbacks do, they want to see the blitz because then they can check out of it and they can you know find an open play. So, um, it, as always, it's going to be a difficult uh, difficult matchup. But yeah, that I think the defense playing better is definitely more important than uh, the offense. You know, going and throwing more than ten times. 
Yeah, and, and I think us. Sorry, real quick. I think the storyline for this game is going to come down to Kirk Cousins because Cousins carries that stigma, you know, that he can't win, you know, the big game. He can't win games against teams with winning records. I know the Packers are only technically one and zero, but they're one of the upper teams in the NFC, one of the top teams in the NFC. So this is really a good challenge for like, can Cousins overcome that? nagging you know storyline that follows him around all the time can he actually you know be responsible for the win and not you know responsible for a possible loss I think for me the last key and I don't really look for the cousins play as far like more so than how the guys in front of him play um I think special teams is going to make a difference in this game and we saw it last week where the Vikings had a a punt block. Um, Dan Bailey was perfect on his kicking. And uh, they traded for Brayden Colquitt, who was a veteran, and he's damn good. So if we continue to. Yeah, if we can. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. It, like, if you're going to. If you're going to have to punt, then you'd like to see those kind of numbers. Um, but, you know. Like I said before, these are always really tight games, you know, historically, especially last year where we tied and nobody could make a fucking field goal in overtime. So I think special teams is important and maybe, you know, somebody making a play on special teams, whether it's the Vikings or the Packers, uh, might sway this one, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. And like like I said in the last episode, Chicago's defense is... They kind of took advantage of Green Bay's offensive line, as you would expect them to do. But um, I, I, that's got to tighten up because that that guy, and it's it's going to sound stupid and it's going to be a no shit point. But Everson Griffin, it's just he's just so strong and big, and I just like Billy Turner was just getting moved around, and I think they said Brian Belago was like the only one that didn't give up a pressure. So I already I already mentioned Anthony Barr, but have a guy like um like Everson like I just feel like there's not going to be any blocking him. Whichever he's whichever yeah. side well, he's on, let's go to the opposite. But and it's, it, there's no easy way when you're blocking the guy that's rushing off the edge because Daniel Hunter is on the other side, and he's just as big as animal as a uh, Everson Griffin is, and like really the only. Uh, kind of downfall that they showed in defense against the Falcons was that interior uh, defensive line rush. And I think they really missed uh, Sheldon Richardson from a year ago as far as that's concerned because they, when they were getting the pressures, it was because the edge guys, because they're sending linebackers and defensive backs off the edge and it's opening up, you know, lanes inside for, for those guys. So I, you know, I'd really like to see the interior line play better and really start to uh, shed blocks more because, I mean, you got plenty of running backs here for, for Green Bay that could uh, gas you if you, uh, if you start losing that interior line battle. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be a great game. We hope so. We hope so. Just don't, don't be a tie. This is yeah, a 1 o'clock game? Uh, I didn't check. I'll say yes. I will tell you right now. It is a one o'clock game. Green Bay, three what point favorite. Which to me, <laughs> uh, so I said I just said Green Bay, three point favorite. To me, when I see these lines, this is literally even Stephen game. No, no pun, pun intended. intended. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of the times you'll see this where those teams are. You know, even kilter, and they give the three point advantage to the home team. So, makes sense. I, th- in my, you know, unbiased, not Vikings or Packers fan opinion, I think this game means more for the Packers than it will for the Vikings because it the home field thing. We talked about on the last episode how big it was for the Packers to win on the road against the Bears. Now they don't want to very next game go home. And just, you know, give up that because then they're going to give the Vikings that same advantage 
when you know they play later in the year. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is this is a this is a great opportunity for the Vikings because you're taking your trip to Lambeau this year in September versus like January. Yes. Or you know late December, like so this is a big deal for them because now you don't have to go there and play outside when it's you know zero degrees out. All righty, all righty. We'll get to our our predictions for the game when we get to the pick'em. So, has anybody got anything else they want to add before we move on? Nope, I'm good. All right, then. Sunday night football will be the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. And all I can say is, can the secondary get it together enough to slow down Julio, Ridley, and Sanu? Sanu? Sano? Sanoko? Sanao? Sano, you don't. Sanao or not? Anyways, you know Julio's going to get his 10 catches for 100 yards plus whatever. He always seems to get that kind of line against the Eagles. I think the trade interest... Xavier Rhodes real quick to shut him down. Yeah, right? Trade for <laughs> trade for a week. Trade him right back. Yeah. But no, they, I think the interesting thing, I, the first thing I see that's interesting on the game is the Eagles are actually favored on the road, which I don't know is kind of maybe an overreaction to the Falcons week one dud, or is it the Eagles explosion of points in the second half? Or, you know, do they really just believe that the Eagles are the better team, even though they're on the road? It's I thought that was interesting right off the bat. It's not, I mean, it's not terribly disrespectful to the Falcons to be a one and a half point dog at home. If it was like six, then I would be like, eh, maybe, maybe they're overreacting, but like one and a half to me, I see two. What do you look at? Oh, okay. Well, I see, I see one and a half. So, um, well, they, yeah, they I normally mean, spot the home team three points, right? Right. So if it's Eagles minus two, then that would mean what the Eagles are technically a five would been a it would yeah. have been five points. Yeah, they see him as like a five. Yeah, they'd win by five. So, um, I mean, again, not terrible, but I when you when you see the way that the Eagles' offense looked last week versus the way the Falcons' defense looked, you know, I, I could see them taking the top off of them with the ease. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I said it on the last episode. Teams are going to have to seriously fear the deep ball from the Eagles for the first time, you know, in five years since Deshaun was back here, you know, originally here. And when it comes to this game, the Eagles should score points. I mean, they've they showed in a small sample size of last week that they can score, you know, in one play, in a big play, you know, at random. They can just, you know, pick you off when you're not paying attention. The question will be, can the Falcons score? You know, can the Falcons sustain drives? Their offensive line is bad. They just lost their, you know, star rookie, Chris Lindstrom. He has some sort of an injury, which will put him out for a while. I mean, the Falcons' first game was a snooze fest. They were obviously out of sync, and they just were bad. I mean, they kept putting the Vikings in plus situations, and but they always seem to play somewhat well against the Eagles. The last few times they've played the Eagles, they have been held under 20 points, including a playoff loss in week one of last year. My advantage in this game is going to be the red zone because on offense, the advantage is the Eagles. And on defense, the advantage is the Eagles. One of the things I really picked out of the Vikings-Falcons game from last week was You have Julio Jones, you have Matt Ryan, all these weapons, and your red zone offense is so bad. The play calling is bad. The play design is bad. I just can't believe it. We're going into the third season of the Falcons not knowing what to do when they get in the red zone. Yeah, I think think the uh, Falcons didn't have a single touchdown pass to Julio Jones in the red zone last year which is a baffling step. It might have been zero. It might have been one, but it was really low for that kind of guy. Like, those guys should be able to hook up on that back pylon pass mm-hmm. time and time again. Just throw it high. Just to, you know, and, just to, and just to throw it up and let just, him battle for it. And just to go back to, uh, you know, what I see for the Eagles is uh, 
Don't start as slow as you did last week. Absolutely cannot start slow. They need to score because, on their first drive. Yes, and I think that the struggles for the Falcons may carry over um, just from the way that I saw them. You know, like when the Vikings were actually playing real defense, they were just struggling and struggling and struggling. And I feel like, you know, the Eagles might be able to give them those types of fits. So if you can get the lead early, you know, maybe a two-touchdown lead again, you completely take out the run game, and that's exactly what you need to do with Atlanta because if Defonta Freeman's not getting the ball at all, you know, that takes away one of their weapons. And that's all you need to do. Um, if you can slow down Julio Jones and they, they're not running the ball, then, you know, you're in, you're in good shape. I have a feeling they're going to do what they used to do with OBJ. They're going to have to have a second guy helping on Julio. And that's fine, too. <clears throat> Absolutely, that's fine. Yeah, hell yeah. But what I think the Eagles will do is, norm. I mean, their defense is going to take away the run. <clears throat> it's what they're good at. It's what they've been doing for the past few seasons. They did it again in week one. I don't think the run game should be anything to fear at all. I think they'll take care of business there. I think it's all going to come down to how Jim Schwartz calls the game. If he plays that off coverage, you know, let him knick-knack down the field, and then we'll stop him in the red zone. I don't get that mindset. I don't like it. I want to see him maybe be a little more aggressive. Um, You saw whenever the Vikings got pressure, Matt Ryan turtles. And he turtles yeah, hard. He and some there was an Ever- Everson Griffin sack that he didn't even touch him until he was on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he'll either turtle or he'll throw the ball up. And we have the defensive linemen who can get their hands up. It only takes you know a tip, a fingertip, to you know wobble that pass into a defender's arms. We just gotta. Oh, I thought you were gonna say double doink. Double doink. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. The Eagles have to capitalize on turnover opportunities in this game. They're not playing the Knicks. There was, okay. The, these are serious. He said it again. Talented monkeys, uncles. God damn it. <laughs> There's a lot of talent on this Atlanta team. And if if you go down 20 to 7 to Atlanta, I don't think you're coming back. So it might be, yeah, uh, might be difficult. But again, it wouldn't be as I easy. Think- I think the main focus for Jim Schwartz should be having your defense prepared when they put Julio in a weird spot. Because that, that for me is like they're trying to get away from you know what they're doing to stop him out on the edge. So when they put him in the slot, they put him in motion. Like You need to have your defense prepared to respond when Atlanta does that because they're just trying to find a mismatch and those plays are designed for Julio to get the ball. So yep. if they can if they can take care of that, they they should be fine. And I think what you'll see is a lot more where they pull the third linebacker off and put a a third safety on instead. <clears throat> yep, stop going with that uh get the lead and go with that dollar defense. I hate the the man, if I see sticks defense in this, I might just well, lose not, it. Not that, but yeah. Quarters defense better than better than that prevent defense. It doesn't prevent anything. Prevents you from winning, right? Got him. <laughs> All right. So since the Vikings and the Packers are playing each other, we don't have really uh, a fourth game, so we can just uh, get on over to the Browns at the New York Football Jets. I think we should call them the New Jersey Jets. I always say that in my head because it just sounds right. And they play in New Jersey. So. And they play in New Jersey. <clears throat> but when it comes to this game, I'm wondering, can Baker get it together when it counts? <clears throat> the team as a whole fell apart at the end of that game last week. And I'm wondering, you know, is that just a learning experience for a talented but young team? You know, can they overcome that? I mean, this Jets team is not, in my opinion, a team that should be feared as far as threatening for a postseason position. They're never going to win that division. I mean, I guess their ceiling for me would be something like 9-7. and seven. They have a couple pieces on offense, but a couple pieces on defense, but they just don't have the whole package there. So 
the Browns should be a team to just manhandle the Jets, but we also thought the Browns should manhandle the Titans. Yeah, and that didn't go well. I didn't think that. The Browns are a three-point favorite on the road, so what do you think of this one? Anyone? Bueller. This is a... This is, I mean, I said this in the last episode. Freddie Kitchens has to, you know, get a hold of this team and be like, listen, we need to be more disciplined. We're better than we played last week. And, you know, we need to go out there and we need to get the lead. And then we need to play, you know, the game that we intend to play. Like, we want this game to work in our favor and go with our game plan. Like, if they have to start making you know, drastic changes to their game plan mid-game. You know, it sets them up for disaster. Um, the Jets went out and they dominated, you know, the first three quarters, basically, of that game against Buffalo, and then they let it get away from them. So they're vulnerable if you're looking from a Browns perspective. So for me, it's just, let's get back to the basics. You know, well, we'll start trying to establish the run and then open up in our our you know, offensive weapons as far as the receivers are concerned because they should be explosive. And maybe this is a defense where you can make some big plays. So this is a confidence booster. should be a confidence booster for the Browns. Maybe turn them around and get people thinking, all right, this was the team that we expected to see. Yeah. Get those week one jitters out and, you know, I'd like to see Freddie Kitchens use his his play calling, you know, aggressively and just be able to adjust on the fly. I mean, he's playing a pretty decent defense for the second week in a row. Can he learn from the mistakes he made in week one by not adjusting or adjusting too late? You got to get Baker to get the ball into his playmaker's hands quick. Like, I know they like the long developing routes and getting the ball downfield, but when you have guys like Landry and OBJ the bubble screens and stuff can be just as effective. Yeah, absolutely. But I think to the same effect, um, if you can start early with a run game with Nick Chubb and you have any sort of success with it, then it opens up the ability for them to start calling some play action stuff and you get these guys coming across the middle, you know, when the linebackers pull up and it's just easy pitch and catch, get some confidence for Baker. And then suddenly when you, you know, you make that call, where you're like, all right, we're going to go play action here. This guy's just going to streak down the field. He should be open. Those are the types of things that you're looking for for uh, for their offense, for sure. And, again, defensively, just stop hurting yourself with these penalties. Um, oh, man, they have to down. have a much cleaner game. Nothing like what yeah. happened last week can happen again. Absolutely not, no. Stop kicking guys in the head. Just go out there. This is an Adam Gase offense. It's run by a young guy. Um, you're going to have to slow down Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot. Did have a touchdown in that game against uh, Buffalo, but he's another guy that you have to be concerned about because, you know, he could absolutely have 150 yards rushing, uh, no doubt, with his play style. And you, Did you hear what Gase said after week one where he admitted he may have overloaded his team with too much information to start the season? Because I guess his playbook is so big and yeah, complicated. I mean, and it, that And it happens. Uh, you look at what the Vikings did last year. They were in the same boat. Like They just had this huge offensive playbook, and it was like early on they found success with it, but as soon as they went up against a team that you know figured them out and knew what they were doing after you see tape on these guys, it's like, all right, we can shut that down real quick. So, again, it for both, both teams, it's just get back to the basics and you know, simplify things because they're both 0-1 now. Like, all right, let's let's get back to it. Let's try to get in the win column. And the easiest way to do that is just to, you know, be, you know, do what you're good at. And you know that, you know, both of these guys, they have uh, the opportunity to, to really put some points up on offense uh, with their weapons. So if, if they can just, you know, simplify things and don't turn the ball over, protect your quarterback – I mean, it sounds it sounds easy. I know it isn't, but those are the types of things that they need to focus on. Yeah, and if both of these teams believe themselves as playoff contenders, 
I mean, you're looking down the barrel. If you go 0-2, the statistics of making the playoffs drop dramatically from 1-1. One and one. So, yep. especially for the Jets, who they have to know. I mean, they will never admit it, but they have to know that the Patriots are going to win the division. So, they're really fighting for one of two wildcard spots. So, they're going to have to, you know, these are the games they have to steal in order to make the playoffs. Without a doubt. Steven, do you have any great analysis to add? Yeah, if Baker can throw three less interceptions, I think it just puts them in a much better place to win this game. <laughs> yeah. And if OBJ stops wearing $600,000 watches. I don't know if you yeah. saw that story. Stop. Yeah, stop with all these chains these players are wearing. I think the, the field, chains like. are really stupid. That's about, that's like, you know, $20,000 about to be ripped off your neck by accident. Or on Doesn't purpose. seem worth it to me. People yeah, that, we've seen that too. What are you wearing that for? <laughs> Speaking of stealing turnover chains. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. You guys ready? You want to get to something? Let's do it. Let's get to the pick'em. Hey, pick'em, that's the name of the game. Snatching winners every week like a turnover chain. Uh, picking spreads over under long shots. Ha! You know we got it cause our bank rolls on top. All right, time to get to the pick'em. Let's go over week one real quick. We had the Thursday night game Packers at the Bears. Bears were a three-point favorite, 46-point over under. And let's see. Packers win, and we hit the under. Steven got the Packers. Steve got the under. Blibbity blobbity blue. The mouse ran up the shoe. Both me and the public went Bears over and did not win. We had the Falcons at the Vikings. Vikings four-point favorite, 47.5. The Vikings hit and the under. So. Thanks, Falcons offense. I hit the under. <laughs> Steve hit the Vikings. The public hits the Vikings and the under for the bonus point. Already with this SG1 sports bullshit. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Washington at the Eagles. Eagles nine and a half point favorites. 46 and a half over under. We hit the over. But Washington, with that bullshit backdoor cover at the end of the game, that touchdown should have never been allowed. We all had the Eagles in the over. We all would have been right, but no. So. Yeah, my apologies for saying the Eagles would would win by two touchdowns. Well, you were close. They should have. Yeah, until the end. Anyways, and then we had the Titans at the Browns. Browns five and a half point favorite. 45 over under the Towton uh Towtons. <laughs> the Titans went outright and they went for the uh they hit the over. They almost hit the over by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Who sees Tennessee scoring 43 in that game? Holy smokes. 21 in the fourth, but Steven, you hit the over and Steve, you hit the Titans. So, after week 1, I have 2 points. Steven with 3. Steve and the public share the lead at four points. That will take us into this pivotal week two matchup that may decide the championship. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let's start at the big one. Vikings at the Packers. Packers three-point favorite. 44 and a half is the over-under. Steven James Lement. Give me the Packers. Give me the under. Pack under, let's see. I'm taking the Vikings. I don't know what it is about the Packers that scares me in this game. They're at home. I feel like they should win, but I just think that Minnesota's rushing attack is going to be the difference in this game. It's not just Cook you have to worry about. It's Madison. Madison proved he could be a feature back on 25 other teams. So I really like this. Vikings matchup, but I am going to take the under as far as the score goes because the Vikings get any sort of lead. I have just feel like they're going to run the ball into the ground. Steve. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Vikings and the over. Um, I just, 
for me, I don't see the Packers offense putting up the duds that uh, the Atlanta defense or the Atlanta offense did last week. It just like to me this it, this feels like it'd be a game where the Vikings win uh, on a last second like field goal and be like a twenty three twenty four score or something like that. So I'm taking the Vikings and taking the over. All right. Well, we'll move on to Monday Night Football. Browns at Jets. Browns a three-point yeah. favorite. Public, screw you. Yeah, you didn't do the public. Oh, the public took the Packers in the over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking move on. <laughs> <laughs> Browns are a three-point favorite on the road. 45 is the over-under. Let's see. Let's start with the public, you bastards. Got them. They took the Browns... Currently, the Browns and the under. <laughs> and the under. Anyone? Give me the Browns and the under. Why? What do you mean? Because they're going to beat the Jets, and there's no way that those two combined are going to score more than 20 points. Really? For reals? I said the Browns put up a 42 spot this week. I'm taking the Browns and the over. All right. And uh, just so we're throwing this out there, Go back to the Green Bay Viking game real quick. The public took Green Bay, and they're sixty to forty on Green Bay. Oh, that's pretty close. And let's see. We said they took the Browns there seventy three percent on Cleveland to twenty seven on the Jets. Everybody's still riding the hype train. I'm also going to take the Browns in this game, and I'm going to yeah, I'll do the under. Steve, did you make your pick? Yeah, I was Browns and over. Okay. And yes, yeah, do. Let's move on to the Falcons hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles two and a half road favorites. Jesus. Uh, over under in this game, 51. 51. Super sticky Steve Knox. Yeah, give me the Eagles and the under. Soup's going Eagles under public. As soon as you get to that 50 spot, it's, it's questionable. Uh, public taking Eagles and over in that one. And actually, that is my pick as well. I wrote down Eagles and over. And I went with the over because they played the Knicks. They're with that over score total, I'm trying to say, hit 59. Between these two and the way the both defenses played, that would be what twenty six twenty five, final. It would for fifty one, yeah. But or that's that's still the under twenty seven twenty four. That's still under because they didn't go over. Okay, you know what I mean. Twenty eight twenty four. That's still a lot of points. I mean, that doesn't sound like an unreasonable score for this kind of game. So, I'll take evils, evils, evils <laughs> over. Ah, Atlanta did score 12 points by charity last week, so, all right. Well, it's true, and I mean, they've scored under 20 every time they played a Doug Peterson team, so. Yep. Good point. I'm going to take the over. (laughs) (laughs) I don't trust the defense. What are we going to do for the the fourth game? Because uh, Vikings and Packers are playing each other here. That's right. So, we have a surprise pick them. Oh, hey, real quick. Before we move on, the public is 68% on Philly so far. All right. So our random act of kindness game of the week. <laughs> the what? Sponsored by Oreo. <laughs> Nabisco. The hashtag pandering to his wife game of the week. The Saints traveling to Los Angeles to face the Rams. Rams are a could, two and a half point favorite at home. I kind of feel like we have to go in this direction. Um, in these situations, just because, I mean, we have no other rooting interest, really. Maybe even there's a primetime game, but this makes sense. Uh, this is the marquee Rams, 4 o'clock game. Rams two and a half point favorite at home. Uh, it, we, we talked at length about how uh, usually, you know, these even games, they give the, the home team three points. So, apparently, these betting uh, entities don't believe in the Rams, and neither do I. They roughed it out against the uh, the Panthers. Look, looked a little sloppy, Joe. 
So for me, I'm going to go with the Saints. Definitely taking the over. We'll probably see like 100 points in this game. Yeah, 50. I, you know what I'm hoping for? Is I'm hoping for a mirror of the Rams Chiefs game from last year. Just an absolute boat race. A lot of fun to watch. I'm also taking the Saints, but after watching the Saints this week and the Rams this week, I'm just wondering if this game just has the potential to be a 21-20 type of nonsense game. I'm going to take the Saints to win outright, but I'm going to take the under. And yeah, I, get, I get the Saints too, but I also took the under. I just have more faith in the Saints, even... You know, even being on the road, but I think this will surprise everybody, and I don't, I don't think they'll hit the over. And the public, it's looked, it's pretty close right now. The public is fifty six percent to forty four percent on the Rams at home, yeah, cool. and uh, they're taking under as well. So, Rams and the underpants on that one. <laughs> Quite a bit different on here, so we'll see a shakeup in the standings for sure. Yeah, because I'm looking at 3, 6, 9, 12 points to jump right into a 14-point lead. Yeah, but if I get 12 points, that's not going to help you. Well, you're not going to because you took dumb picks like the Packers. <laughs> like the Eagles? Oh, ouch. <laughs> I don't like the Packers either, but that's brutal. You share a mother, you jerk. That's sibling on sibling uh, battery right there. Hey, uh. Before we go, real quick, two things I wanted to bring up that didn't get brought up on the last episode of the show. Um, did you guys see this uh, story that's going around about Deshaun Watson? A local... The little girl that was crying yeah. because they lost? Yeah. yeah. Did you see that? Did you see what Deshaun uh, Watson said? Big up to... Yeah, big ups to Deshaun Watson. He said... Because this little girl, Caitlin, is like hysterically crying because... Texans lost in the way they lost. So he said on in a tweet, we were so close, Caitlin. I'm going to send you a signed jersey to put a smile back on your face. Thank you for sticking with us. And then the hashtag, we are Texans. Dude, that's I awesome. Like I that. love that. Oh, man. I Yeah. There was recently uh, a little boy who's been saving up all his money from like birthdays and stuff to go to Disney World. It's like his dream. And then when the hurricane just hit, the Carolinas, he took all his saved up money and he bought bottles of water, hot dogs, and chips and was giving it to the people like passing through without who didn't have food or whatever. And Disney found out about it and they showed up at his birthday party and they brought Mickey Mouse and they, you know, told him, You're you and your family are coming for a free trip to Disney. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Oh man, That's I cried. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Like, could you imagine being that age and like be, having that maturity to make that decision? That he's just a little guy well, too. I mean, he must have yeah, been like so, seven, eight years old. Yeah. So instead of like me holding on to my money, I'm just gonna go out and help our ravaged community. Like that. That's real. That's real cool. Yeah. You hope to raise you know young people like that. I know we all have kids, so you you hope our you know our kids would being in a similar situation would want to make those decisions. So uh, that's real cool from that kid and his parents. And on the flip and side Disney of that, too, that's, that's real cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, they took one of the Disney like buses they have, like that drives around the parks. It takes you to different parks. They like drove it all the way up there with like a ton of employees. Like Mickey himself was there. They all had like Mickey balloons, just the, effort to reward this kid for his selfless act. It's just a, we don't see enough of that in the news these days. Yeah, Everything's so story. negative. And well, I mean, yeah, you get caught up a lot because of those, uh, you know, billion dollar empires that it's just like, it feels like they're doing everything evil to just hoard money. But then when they do stuff like this, like makes you forget about that. So, Nice to see. I really love the the Deshaun Watson uh, thing because, you know, that's just a lesson. Like, it's not who we are. We believe in this team, and we're glad that you believe in us too. And for him to just, you know, sign a jersey and send it out to a little girl, like that's 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 epic right there. 
That's how you know. It's not something he has you to You should, do. if you're a Houston Texans fan, you're completely buying into Deshaun Watson right now. Uh, he, I mean, he's on a team full of top-notch guys like J.J. Watt and what he did for the Hurricane that hit Houston. Walter Payton, man of the year. I mean, I'm happy that so many teams have these positive guys and they're, you know, they're getting air. They're getting talked about for the right reasons. I mean, there's so many knuckleheads in the league that it's it's nice to have this type of, you know, news story. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And then you have, like, fans. Week to week, you just have negative stuff, and then it's... I mean... To have, have these sort of things. Even, even for me, like, just following the Vikings stuff and, like, seeing all the things that the teams are doing, uh, or the Vikings team in general, uh, just... Groups of guys going out and doing these things for, for the community and going to the children's hospitals and stuff like that. Like, yep. that's what it's all about, man. You know, for me personally, like being a Bruins fan, um, and watching like the Bruins dress up in costumes around Halloween and going to like St. Jude, and uh, you know stuff like that. You know, dressed in costumes. Like you love to see professional athletes just going out there and trying to bring joy to uh, young people that are really struggling and I wanted to start with that because the other thing I wanted to bring up before we go is did you guys see at the end of the Titans Browns game where the guy returned the pick six Mm -hmm. and the Browns fans were dumping beers on the Titans players yeah yeah it is disgusting come on guys dumping the beer another guy came and jumped onto the the pile and he flinched like such a fucking bitch because he thought he was going to get smacked for dumping beer on <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch that. <laughs> oh, dude, he jumps out of his fucking undies. And then he throws another, another little splash of beer at him. What's undies? I'll tell you. Is that like squirrels? It's just uh, like squirrels. Yeah, squirrels. Yeah. I mean, it it's terrible when, you know, you get a couple of uh, knuckleheads out there that, you know, over imbibe a little bit. And get themselves into trouble it's like no find the guy you know tell him he can't come back and that's it like one sour grape can ruin the whole patch that's what they did to the guy in uh, Gillette yeah it's true hey you know what or you know what's not big, hanging uh, up in Gillette the what the dildo they threw on the field in <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> their Super Bowl 52 banner oh where's that hanging Making a little Eagles plug here. <laughs> no, they did just hang up number number six. Yeah. And judging by what happened on, on Sunday night, seven might not be far behind. It's plenty Holy far crap. behind. Get over it. <laughs> uh, I did want to mention. I did want to mention. Uh, I had tweeted earlier this week that the recent happenings uh, in the league made me rethink my uh, my Super Bowl pick a little bit. I know I had picked the, uh, the the Patriots to play the Saints, but with this AB signing and the way that they played on Sunday night, started getting me thinking we might be looking at a historic rematch between the Patriots and the Eagles. Fuck it, because it's just the way that things are playing out right now. All the smoke. looks like the Patriots just have like a lock on that whole conference. Uh, the way they they just demolished the Steelers and Tomlin looked lost out there for the first time really in his career but it just feels like it's that like this is uh this is meant to be we're gonna see it one more time get that rubber match I'd be okay with that New England Patriots I'll tell you what Philadelphia Eagles I'm changing it I'm changing it week one <laughs> let me set the scene for you because it's it's a Sunday in January, the AFC Championship game. You have the Patriots visiting the Chiefs. You have Roger Goodell at midfield, and he declares first one to 100 wins. Still only <laughs> because, play one half of football. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't see any other way that <laughs> those two teams aren't facing each other in the AFC Championship, and they're playing like 56 to 55. 
I thought I feel real bad too about saying the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs and Tyree Kill goes out in the first quarter of the game and they still put up like 40 points. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think we're, off, we're off to a good start, though, boys. We the are. The season is off to a great start. And we're off to a good start of two episodes I, a week, guys. The, you know what sucks, though? Yeah. Vacuums. Well, that's true. I'm not going to argue with you there. Uh, my issue is we can't all be 2-0 and next week. Well, we can be 1-0 and 1. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> There's always a bright side. Steve. <laughs> I'm going to come down to Sanford and kick you in the nuts if we try. You should go to Springvale. You'll find him quicker. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> Oh. It's a suburb of Sanford. <laughs> I wish I could have you both over and sit between you two to watch this game. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'll well, just never be out of work on time. Yeah. Fuck work. Let's all quit. Uh, I'm time. trying. I got a broker coming to my house tomorrow to evaluate the value of my property. Oh, shit. All right, then. That'll do it. Episode 46 in the books of the Joint Practices Podcast. You know it. We know it. The podcast for fans, by fans. On the Twitter bird, at Joint Practices. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, at 11thegoat. For Steven and Steve, at JPP and at the Knox says, I'll let you boy one tweezy. Go, Pecco. Hey, you want to do your... <laughs> <laughs> the rest of oh, your yes, fucking row. Fuck, dude. It's, been, it's so late. I already exited out of the outline. Um, if you're on B, uh, leave us a, a review, a rating, subscribe. <laughs> Send it to your friends. Just waiting if for you're Sean on to Bean? yell over me. <laughs> you I'm, said if you're on Bean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was doing that. I'm tired, Spiel. But then through that sentence, I was waiting for you to scream over me like you always do. Well, I'm telling people he screwed it up in the last episode, so <laughs> he comes out with conscious. Oh, that's the right way to say it. <laughs> oh, hey, if you're on you. a, if you're on, if you're on the Twitter bird, <laughs> go ahead and uh, send us a tweet with the hashtag Shred the Cheese, baby. Fuck you. Let us know you're listening. <laughs> Looking to go into a Lambo, get ourselves a victory. So we'd love to hear from anybody. Let us know what you thought of the episode, any previous episodes, what you'd like to hear, what you don't like. And we will see you on the next one, baby. We'll see you at another time. Vikings. Go back up. Fly goes fly. Get baked. Stay baked. Bean pod. <laughs> <laughs> we out.